Today's read is from The Browder File, Volume 2, Survival Strategies for Africans in America, 13 Steps to Freedom, written by Anthony T. Browder. Remember always, these selections from the Hosea, the sacred wisdom of ancient Kemet. Be skilled in speech so that you will succeed. The tongue of a man is his sword, and effective speech is stronger than all fighting. None can overcome the skillful. A wise person is a school for the nobles, and those who are aware of his knowledge do not attack him. No evil takes place when he is near. Truth comes to him in its essential form, shaped in the sayings of the ancestors. Follow in the footsteps of your ancestors, for the mind is trained through knowledge. Behold their words endure in books. Open and read them and follow their wise counsel. The book of Keti. Pour libation for your father and mother who rest in the valley of the dead. God will witness your action and accept it. Do not forget to do this even when you are away from home, for as you do your parents, your children will do for you also. Step 11, learn to honor the memory of your ancestors. There are many unfortunate Negroes in this country who are ashamed of their African heritage. They will proudly proclaim that they are part Indian or Italian or French or Irish or any other ethnic group while simultaneously denying the African face which stares back at them in the mirror. They lament daily over the condition of their African hair, the only part of their anatomy that willingly proclaims its African roots. Third generation Italians who have never been to Italy preserve their culture by celebrating Columbus Day third or fourth generation Irish who have lived in America all of their lives still revere Irish history and celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Mexican Americans living in the United States continue to celebrate Cinco de Mayo because they respect the cultural accomplishments of their ancestors. Many African Americans see nothing wrong with celebrating the culture of others but are too embarrassed to celebrate their own. On a typical St. Patrick's Day, you will probably find as many African Americans wearing green as you would Irish Americans. Yet, these same people would not be caught dead wearing a kufi or kente cloth or celebrating Kwanzaa. Admittedly, the clothing people wear is certainly no guarantee of their allegiance to a particular culture, but it is a tangible indication of their consciousness. African Americans are the only group who came to America with an invitation and with a guarantee of full employment, whether we wanted it or not. We were not allowed to bring our history, our culture, or our own ways of relating to the Creator. After 350 years, we are still dependent on our former slave masters to employ us, educate us, protect us us and provide for our overall well-being. We don't invest in our native land. We have been trained to forget our ancestors. 
In the eyes of the world, any group that does not honor the memory of their ancestors is unworthy of respect. Africans in America have been programmed to forget 400 years of rapes, lynchings, beatings, and murders. While it is not practical that we seek an eye for an eye, it is impractical for us to turn a blind eye to these atrocities. Africans in America must never forget the most horrific event which humanity has ever witnessed, the Ma'afa, a Kiswahili word which means great disaster. Ma'afa refers to the sufferings of over 100 million African people who were enslaved and murdered since 1442 and the beginning of the European slave trade of African people. The Ma'afa continues today and many African Americans are still dealing with the post-traumatic effects of slavery. African Americans have been taught to feel ashamed of slavery. It's as if it were our own fault, as if our ancestors begged the Europeans to take them from their homeland in chains and rape their mothers, daughters, and sons. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. addressed this issue and put it in its proper perspective when he stated, I, for one, am not ashamed of this past. My shame is for those who became so inhuman that they would inflict this torture upon us. If we truly understood the extent of the atrocities perpetrated against African people, we would never feel shame. Instead, we would feel duty-bound to honor the memory of the men, women, and children who suffered at the hands of people who demonstrated little remorse for their actions. If you listen, you can hear the souls of the dead crying. They are crying for justice, and they are crying to remind you and me that what happened in the past can happen in the future. It is difficult to truly comprehend the ramifications of the Ma'afa, but let us take a moment and look at some aspects of this great disaster. The term Ma'afa was introduced to the African community by Dr. Donna Richards in her publication, Let the Circle Be Unbroken. Dr. Richard Richards, who has now changed her name to Marimba Ani, is a social scientist and professor of black studies at Hunter College City University of New York. In Let the Circle Be Unbroken, she wrote about the impact of the Ma'afa on the African family in America. The system and circumstances of slavery in New Europe, America, sought to destroy African value, African self-image and self-concept. The African universe was disrupted it became dysfunctional as the sense of order that it offered dissolved. For the overwhelming majority of those brought to North America and their direct descendants, the benefits of African culture were stripped away, not one by one, but brutally, in one sudden and total act. Family, language, kinship patterns, food, dress and formalized religion were gone. What replaced them was the order of slavery. The objective of the new order was to demonstrate our lack of value.
it turned our humanity into weakness. To be European was to have value. To be African was to be without personal worth. The slave order created and depended on a constant state of terror. As long as you denied your Africanness, your humanness, and pretended that you didn't mind watching others suffer around you, you were relatively safe, for fear was the great immobilizer. Africans in America should never be ashamed of the indignities that our ancestors were forced to endure during enslavement. We should never refer to them as slaves, for they were human beings who were enslaved by others of a subhuman nature. We must not be afraid to confront this dreadful period of our history, for there are valuable lessons we can learn from this past that will allow us to move forward with courage and direction. other meaningful publications that shed light on the horrors of enslavement. A document entitled Let's Make a Slave was brought to the public's attention by attorney Robert L. Brock. He discovered it while researching documents in the basement of a courthouse in the South. Let's Make a Slave is a study of the physical and psychological process called seasoning which was designed to break the spirit of newly arrived Africans and prepare them for a lifetime of servitude. The methods used to make a slave were gruesome and indicative of the vicious nature of the enslavement process. In one particular example, citing the cardinal principles for making a Negro, the author states, take the meanest and most restless nigger. Strip him of his clothes in front of the slaves. Tar and feather him. Tie each leg to a different horse faced in opposite directions. Set him afire and beat both horses to pull him apart in front of the remaining niggers. The next step is to take a bullwhip and beat the remaining nigger to the point of death in front of the female and infant. Don't kill him, but put the fear of God in him, for he can be useful for future breeding. The writers of this document describe the psychological impact this murder and beating would have on the enslaved female and infant. In her natural, uncivilized state, she would have a strong dependency on the uncivilized nigger male, and she would have a limited protective tendency toward her independent male offspring and would raise the female offspring to be dependent like her. Nature had provided for this type of balance. We reversed nature by burning and pulling one uncivilized nigger apart and bullwhipping the other to the point of death, all in her presence. By her being left alone, unprotected with the male image destroyed, the ordeal caused her to move from her psychological dependent state to a frozen independent state. In this frozen psychological state of independence, she will raise her male and female offspring in reversed roles. For fear of the young male's life, 
she will psychologically train him to be mentally weak and dependent but physically strong. Because she has become psychologically independent, she will train her female offspring to be psychologically independent. You've got the nigger woman out front and the nigger man behind and sacred, behind and scared. This is a perfect situation for sound sleep and good economics. The psychological effects of the Ma'afa were designed to endure for hundreds of years. In 1712, plantation owners from the state of Virginia invited a European plantation owner from Barbados named William Lynch to share with them his techniques for controlling enslaved Africans. Mr. Lynch delivered the following remarks on the banks of the James River in Virginia. I have here a foolproof method for controlling your black slaves. I guarantee every one of you that if installed correctly, it will control your slaves for at least 300 years. My method is simple. Any member of your family or any overseer can use it. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves, and I take these differences and make them bigger. I use fear, distrust, and envy for control purposes. The black slave, after receiving this indoctrination, will carry on and will become self-refueling and self-generating for hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Don't forget, you must pitch the old black male versus the young black male. The young black male against the old black male. You must use the dark-skinned slaves against the light-skinned slaves and the light-skinned slaves against the dark-skinned slaves. You must use the female against the male and the male against the female. You must also have your white servants and overseers distrust all blacks. It is necessary that your slaves trust and depend on us. They must love, respect, and trust only us. Gentlemen, these kits are your keys to control. Use them. Have your wives and children use them. Never miss an opportunity. If used intensely for one year, the slaves themselves will remain perpetually distrustful. Many of the methods devised by William Lynch continued to influence the behavior of millions of Africans throughout the urban plantations of America. We were programmed to be distrustful of one another in the past, and we continue to be distrustful of each other today. Many of us still believe that light-skinned blacks are smarter, more intelligent, and prettier than dark-skinned blacks. We denigrate ourselves by saying that light skin is fair skin and that straight hair is good hair. We continue to use the language of brainwashed people to debase ourselves while believing that such language does no harm to ourselves or our children. Brainwashed is an appropriate adjective to describe the process of making a slave. The desire to destroy the consciousness of African people is apparent when you examine the comments made by Henry Berry, a delegate of the Virginia House of Representatives in 1832. Mr. Berry addressed his associates on the floor of the Virginia House of Representatives. We have, as far as possible, closed every avenue by which light may enter the slave's mind. If we could extinguish the capacity to see the light, our work would be complete. They would then be on a level with the beasts of the field and we should be safe. Central to the process of enslaving Africans was the 
reconfiguration of their minds and the creation of a Negro consciousness. Our ancestors were brutally disconnected from their past, forbidden from reclaiming and celebrating it, and therefore unable to adequately provide for the well-being of future generations. We must never forget that the Constitution of the United States denied Africans their human and civil rights. African family life was shattered. Ancestral and spiritual practices were denied, and it was illegal for Africans to read or write. These conditions existed for approximately 12 generations and account for the economic, educational, and social disparities that now exist between African and Europeans in America. Within the European American community, the wealth gained from the labor of Africans was passed on from one generation to the next. It was used to build industries, towns, cities, states, and the wealth of a nation. The creators of newly formed empires were continually honored by their descendants who established foundations, libraries, and awards in their memory. Today, those ancestors are honored by days which celebrate their legacy and birth. Thanksgiving was established to honor the memory of the earliest settlers in America, the birthdays of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, or Robert E. Lee are commemorated to honor the spirits of these men. Memorial Day, Labor Day, and Veterans Day were established so that people would long remember those who gave their lives defending and building this nation. It makes perfect sense to honor the memory of one's ancestors because they are a continual source of strength and inspiration. Africans have long known this to be a fact and in their homeland, they developed rituals which I believe helped them survive the Ma'afa. There is no group of people on earth who have suffered as long and as hard as Africans. The mere fact that we are alive today, many of us with our minds and souls intact, is a testament to the spirit that dwells within us. This spirit must be honored and nurtured if we are to create a meaningful existence for the souls we will bring into the world. There is an African proverb which says, if you speak the name of the dead, they will never die. Western science has confirmed the fact that matter nor energy can be created or destroyed. They simply change form. Africans believed that when a person becomes an ancestor, their spirit remains connected to the collective consciousness of their people. The act of remembering the ancestors through libation and ritual links them to the living. As spirit, the ancestors are linked to the creator, serve as our intermediaries, and are eventually reborn into the community. Thus, the deceased, the living, and the yet unborn are all connected in a cultural and cosmic circle which binds the past, present, and future. Our genes and the melanin in our bodies are vital components in this cycle. The genetic material passed on from generation to generation is our pipeline to our ancestors. Look at yourself. Are you told you have your father's eyes? 
your mother's complexion, your grandmother's hands, your great-grandfather's disposition. You are a manifestation of all of the ancestors who have come before you. The melanated centers within your body, particularly your pineal gland, allow you to access your ancestral superhighway. This ancestral structure is similar in essence to the internet. There exists within the spiritual universe a network of unlimited possibilities. In order to log on to your ancestral database, you must have an access code, the proper equipment, and you must possess some idea of where you want to go. A melanated body is optimally equipped and comes with a score comes with scores of melanated microprocessors and the fastest modem known to man, the pineal gland. Rituals are your access code and your direction is provided by your culture. Dr. Theophile Obenga, a colleague of the late Dr. Sheikh Endadiab, addressed an informal gathering several years ago and discussed the significance of ancestral communion. He told us that we are the ancestors. They live in us and operate through us. I am convinced that by reclaiming the knowledge of our past, we learn the rituals necessary to effectively honor and commune with our ancestors. By communing with our ancestors, we are able to access empowering levels of knowledge which will allow us to transform our consciousness and create, through our thoughts and actions, a world worthy of passing on to our children.